Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Liz. We are business owners turned podcasters. This show gives you the permission and tools to create your courageous second act. We call this the Afterglow. Welcome to the Afterglow. This is our second episode and we're super excited about this because we really want to introduce ourselves to the world and to you as our listeners. So the best way we feel we can do this is by actually interviewing each other and maybe we can reveal our deepest, darkest secrets to you. So today I have Liz Doyle Harmer here, my partner in crime, and I get to have the honor and pleasure of interviewing you today. How do you feel? Yay. I'm so excited. I'm really, I'm so glad we're creating time and space to do this both for ourselves and for our listeners. Uh, I think it's just really important to be talking about the stuff we're talking about uh, and really helping women to become the most powerful, courageous version of themselves. That's something I know you and I both work on um, together and individually, and it's something that's really important in our world right now. I agree. And I think that um, based on our model that we have created for the Afterglow, the podcast, uh, we want to take women out of that shell, out of that cage, Mm -hmm. out of those boundaries that have been created and set for us, right? We didn't do this to ourselves. This was a sort of societal thing and show how or teach ourselves along with our listeners how we can break free from those chains. So what we want to hear from you today, Liz, is your story of how you have overcome or are overcoming these challenges that we were placed with in our lives and that you are now in your second act and um, moving towards your you know, most courageous life. So, so what's your story about the patriarchy, about the boundaries, about the limits that have been set for you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have not overcome everything. I'm still 100% a work in progress. Um, And I think what happened for me when we opened our studio, um, that was for me a big act of courage and expansiveness that really took me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, and I won't go on too much about this, but why I'll always be so grateful for you because without you, I wouldn't have taken that first step. I really believe that. Um, But then once, you know, we started to take these steps together, um, I realized, hey, I'm not wired for expansiveness. I have not been wired to take up space and expand my presence and share my voice. And so what happened for me is when we were building our studio and starting to expand ourselves, I I got a lot of anxiety. Um, It didn't feel comfortable for me to do that. And I was in this period where my heart and, you know, spirit wanted to expand and my head and my body were saying, no, 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 (laughs) this is not what we're used to. I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety. Um, And so I actually had to, um, you know, as you know, I took a little bit of time away from the studio to try and um, figure out how to best deal with that anxiety. And as you know, I actually stopped teaching for a period um, because um, putting myself out there every day in a way that was visible in front of clients, in front of students was actually adding to my anxiety. So I had to um, release and, you know, reduce some of the anxiety, um, take some of the pressure off. Um, And then I just had to start learning ways to manage the, the feeling of anxiety, because I didn't want to give up on my dreams. 
Um, and I didn't want to go back to, to being small and being safe. And so why do you think this happened to you? Why do you think you were not an expansive person? Why do you think you were small and your body was reacting this way? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think there's so many layers to that. I think, you know, for sure, there's the cultural layer um, and that all of us women have generally been conditioned to, um, to, to be small and to be quiet and to sit in the back and to not take the lead and to not share our voice. Um, and so that was definitely part of it. And then I think also in my childhood and my upbringing, um, you know, I had a, a, a mother who I believe wholeheartedly raised me in a way that she thought was uh, best for me, but actually was um, probably a way that was best for her and <laughs> what she wanted. Um, and so, you know, certain messages I received about, um, you know, finding someone to take care of me, about finding someone who was wealthy to marry, um, you know, certain messages that didn't quite empower me to take the control or lead in my own life. Do you feel like that was like more later on in your life, those messages about finding a man and that kind of thing, or, or, or like as a little child, a little girl, like when did, or if you think back, when do you know or notice that you stopped being your biggest, brightest light? I think I remember those verbal messages uh, at an older age, but I think they're reflective of, um, an approach to parenting and an approach in our culture uh, that is embedded at a very early age. Um, and so uh, the message to, you know, to, to not share your voice or to stay small, I think we get those in very um, subtle and also overt ways um, before we can even question them before we can even question them. So, you know, starting at age two, age three, you know, I'm just being reminded right now of research by Amy Cuddy, who she found in her research that by age four, um, little girls and little boys already associate expansive body positions with a man and small um, diminutive positions uh, with a woman. And so already in our, you know, by age four, little boys and little girls know who gets to be big and who has to stay small. And that was research that was done just a few years ago. So, you know, you and I, we were born more than a few years ago. So definitely that, that is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've talked just a little bit about um, the church and religion. And so do you feel like that has had a major impact or a minor impact? This is a real touch point for me. I think, um, you know, the church has had a negative uh, impact on both men and women. I certainly saw that with my father. Um, But I think for women especially, there's this idea of uh, there's only one woman (laughs) who's recognized. You know, her name is Mary, and she had better be a virgin. So, you know, there's just... um, there's a, some messaging, some inherent messaging there about, you know, only one of you is going to get to be recognized and you had better be perfect. And I think that adds another layer of anxiety and stress and perfectionism to, um, to, to, to a lot of us, whether you were raised um, Catholic or not, like I was, I think that messaging is out there in our society. 
You spoke about your kind of story of courage about when we started the studio, but that was a bit debilitating for you for a while. What, what helped you? What tools did you use? How did you come out of that? Yeah. Um, so that's something I still work on. It's actually something I'm doing right now. Um, you know, I was kind of joking around with myself in my own head about how it's like, you know, it's like the new Kegel for me. So it's like this, you know, exercise I do in my body and my mind to help ground me and provide me with a feeling of confidence. And so, you know, it can be different for everyone. But for me, I, I literally imagine roots growing out of my feet. I imagine like a little Buddha in my belly. And these are practices that I do that help me feel grounded and supported and calm. And, um, you know, these are practices which um, they're, you know, they might seem a little silly, but for me, they're quite powerful. And what I love about them is that they give me a feeling of resilience inside so that I can actually start to expand, to take on risks, to go after my dreams. And so, you know, I'm pretty much willing to do anything to support that, <laughs> even if it means visualizing roots coming out of my feet. I can see you. I can see you as a tree, like a big yes. oak or something like that. Um, so would you say in this process that you're like learning to trust yourself more? Like how has your physical body maybe changed? How do you carry yourself differently? How do you, how do you know that you're learning to trust yourself more? those internal practices, um, they give me the confidence to trust myself more. Um, and I do notice that my body shifts as I, you know, just imagining roots through my feet, suddenly both feet are planted firmly. I'm not, you know, jetting my hip out to one side or resting all of my weight on one side. Um, and so there's definitely a change in how I hold myself, but it's a change that's come from the feelings I'm practicing on the inside, you know, I, I expect these are going to be practices I'll have to do for a while, um, but they're helpful. What would you tell your 15 year old self? I like this question a lot because it really makes us go back and think about who we were as 15 year olds. Right. And, and we're, we're, we talk about growing and getting wiser with age and sometimes we just don't. But I really know you and I know that you are one of the wisest people I know. And so what, what can you give or provide to your 15-year-old self? I don't know. When I look back at age 15, I do. I see this girl who had such big dreams and ambitions. And, you know, right, right back at age 15, I, I remember I took entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship in high school. Um, I always wanted to start a business. And, um, you know, again, it, Julie, it wasn't until I met you that I actually found the courage to do it. And so I think um, I would have told that 15-year-old self to just um, really hold true to who she is and what she wants. Um, and uh, just to find a way to feel confident on the inside and to practice connecting with that. I think if I had found that earlier, it would have saved me from decades of, um, of giving up on myself. But I'm curious about how do you find the confidence on the inside and keep it? Like how, how could she, how could you, how could she have actually done that? We say this to our own daughters, you know, trust yourself and, you know, we want them to keep, keep their self-esteem and be confident and, and own it. But how do you actually physically do that in a world where we were continuously shut down. Oh, I mean, the process that's worked for me is to, um, 
is to find quiet moments during the day to practice feeling confident. And so again, for me, I I think about the roots in my feet and think about Buddha. I I allow myself to take up some space with my body. And so for me, I, I personally had to do it in a quiet space on my own. I had to practice that feeling. And then I just kept coming back to it day after day because life would continue to take me away. Life would continue to make me doubt. And there were times, Julie, where I practiced, practiced this on the yoga mat at Afterglow. I would, you know, and I, I, I thought often life keeps taking me away. And every yoga practice, every time I come back to the mat is a chance for me to come back to myself, this feeling of confidence and strength on the inside. And so it really is just practice it life takes you away, come back to it, you know, over and over and over. And eventually over time, that feeling becomes more, more, becomes stronger. I love that. I love that. And it's just like a little plug for doing yoga as well, right? Like absolutely teach our kids to do yoga. Okay. So here's a good question. Who or what inspires you to be your most courageous self? you know, it's my children for sure. Um, you know, and all of them, but particularly my daughters, especially right now, my older one, because I've seen how my decades of doubt have been passed on to her. Um, and she was born a beautiful, resilient, strong, confident child. And, um, I did not model that enough for her. And so that is really what motivates me now today. And I believe wholeheartedly, if I can come back to a place of confidence after decades, then, you know, I can certainly bring about change in my children now while they're still living with me, while I still have uh, time to influence them. But um, yeah, 100%, they're the ones that inspire me to model confidence um, and to, to lead by example. I love that. I love that. And you talk about doubt and... Um, that's such a huge word because we're not, it's not ingrained in us when we're born as little girls, as little boys to doubt ourselves, right? You, you come out, you're like, yeah, this is the way the world is. Okay. I think this way, that's the way it goes. But doubt starts to seep in. And I think definitely the studies will show more for women than for men. Um, so what's one thing you would like all women to know, and maybe it's related to doubt, maybe it's not, but what would you like all women to know? So not just your 15 year year old self, but maybe a lesson. Yeah, I think we have to practice trusting ourselves, and it's really a practice um, because we've been practicing doing the opposite. We've been practicing doubting ourselves, and um, you know, again, because of the conditioning, because of the external messaging we've received, and so every day we need to practice listening to our own wisdom and taking some kind of step in the outside world in, in alignment with that wisdom. And the more we practice it, the more the better we'll get at it your word practice, we're so um, not familiar with that because Mm -hmm. um, it's like practice makes perfect and then you move on. And in our world, you know, there's the outliers, there's the, you know, you do something like 10,000 times. You have to do something and continue to do it to grow in that area. It's not just you decide and it becomes you, right? And so that word practice, and it's the same thing with yoga and what we teach our students as well as you keep coming back to the mat. You're never really there. You're not just all of a sudden Buddha. As young girls, as women, we don't just all of a sudden become this enlightened um, woman, although I would argue that maybe Oprah and Brene Brown are, are very close to being there, but 
you know, they're, they're constantly showing us that there still works in progress. And so yes. I love that it's practice and, and, and continuing to work. Okay. So what is your afterglow? Okay. So the afterglow, a podcast is about creating your courageous second act. What is your afterglow? What's your vision for the next 40 to 50 years, maybe 50 to hundred years, however long you're going to live. Yeah. So that's funny. That's, I love that question. And I'm almost a little embarrassed to admit what my vision involves. Um, so what, I mean, problem. one, that's the problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're small, we're created small. We're afraid to express what our vision and hope and dreams are because yes, you, like a man would be like, I'm going to go out there and make a million dollars. Like it's so well, different. So, so let's break, let's do this right here, right now and break that for us today. Let's conquer that fear and it's okay if it doesn't happen, right? Like we, we know it's okay to fail or it's okay for something to not to happen. And it's also okay to change your mind. So let that be known. And now launch into it. Give us, give us your, (laughs) well, and because what you, you've hinted at already, what, what's in my vision with, with what you said. And, um, you know, so part of it is for me to keep increasing my confidence, to keep practicing my confidence and trusting myself, all of that inner work. But externally, I, my vision over the next few decades is to make money. (laughs) And so this is the part where I, um, you know, that is so contradictory to everything that I've been raised on. Um, It's not a quality that is typical for women. Um, You know, you had said for men, I'm going to make millions. And and one of the reasons why making money is important for me, I went recently to a talk um, and I heard um, this VC speak, I'm forgetting her name. And and someone had asked her, you know, how can women really have control in the world or how can we have power? And she was quite, she, she didn't mince words. She's like, women need to make money. We need to make money. We have to have, that is where power resides in our society. We need to have our own money and our own purses. And I personally would like to have enough of it that I can make um, investment decisions that actually impact the world that we live in. So to have enough money so I can make decisions, investment decisions to invest in socially responsible, environmentally responsible businesses that will have a real impact on our planet. So that's what I'm working towards. That to me is very exciting. It's really outside of my comfort zone. Um, but I see money as a way to um, create equality and to better our world. Those are all incredible, beautiful thoughts and goals. I love it. And I'm actually very fortunate that I'm your business partner because I get to do that right alongside of you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll take me along for the ride on yes. your, uh, on your afterglow. I'll just ride on your coattails and just reap the rewards of all the money. Let's do it together. All, all the excitement. So, uh, I am so happy that you have shared your story with us here today. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with or that hasn't been said or that you want to um, express? You know, I was just thinking um, just when you asked me about trusting ourselves, and there, you know, there's one exercise I've done with some of my clients and coaching and it's really super simple and it's just a matter of um, every day you just listen to your intuition and you can start it's basically you practice not second guessing yourself and so that first impulse you have you follow it um, and you know it can be simple things like what am I going to make for dinner 
you, you have that first impulse, just make that for dinner. You know, where am I going to take the kids? You have some intuition around it. Just do it rather than second guessing ourselves and wasting all that time. Is this the best thing? And so you can start with small things and then work up to bigger things. Um, but that's just a simple practice that people can do to start trusting themselves and following their own intuition. It is amazing, actually, when you think about it, you know, when you just mentioned like, what am I going to serve my kids for dinner and uh, how many times in a day we're given the opportunity to doubt ourselves. Uh-huh. How, Absolutely. How easy it is to actually just change that mindset. And uh, I mean, it's not necessarily easy, but just to be like, this is something I actually don't need to think about. This is actually mm-hmm. something that I can just go with my gut on and move forward because there's going to be a lot of bigger, heavier, you know, uh, weightier decisions that you're going to have to make. And there's going to be so many more opportunities for that big self-doubt to creep in. So I agree with that. I think that, that trusting your intuition, it's all in our gut. I mean, our gut brain is more powerful and bigger and stronger than our, you know, head brain. And so if we can learn that, if we can use that and keep moving forward and, um, I think one step at a time of eliminating self-doubt, you know, it sort of starts to um, bring that awareness on when it creeps in. You're like, eh, I don't need to doubt you. You know, I, hey, doubt, get out of here. Get off my shoulder. You don't need to be here anymore. So thank you for that. Thank you for that little tidbit. I think it's a really powerful one. And thank you, Liz Doyle Harmer. Uh, business partner of Afterglow Studio, of the Afterglow podcast, mother of four children, business and life coach, and writer, author. You're writing some very powerful articles right now and hopefully someday a book. So we are so inspired by you and appreciate all of your wisdom and your you know, life experience that you have brought to us today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Julie. I I love it. I'm excited for everything that's ahead for us and our listeners. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Afterglow Podcast Official and take a minute to leave us a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Lift a sister up and share the Afterglow with others who are seeking their courageous second act.